Now, is this not a beautiful day in the neighborhood? Huh? Look at this. Slush. Ice. Most of the ice is gone right now. It'll be back. Don't worry. Have you seen what the forecast is looking like? <sighs> Looks like February's going to be fun. Buy some skates. Lots to do on the show today. We are going to be talking about brand recognition. If I say bread, what pops into mind? It's probably a brand. If I say popcorn, that might be a tough one. Is it Orville Redenbacher? Do they still make Orville Redenbacher? I don't know. Have you ever had Orville Redenbacher? Is it any different than anybody else's popcorn? I'm not sure of these things. But the point is, we do have brand recognition. We are advertised to thousands of times a day. And because of that, you start to think, oh, I need this. And then you go. That's when advertising works. When you say, I need a new couch. Hmm. And it pops into your head, this is where I'm going. Same way to get a job. If you want to get a job somewhere, find someone who you want to have hire you, and then when they're looking for somebody, they'll go, oh, I need someone for this job. And a name will pop into their head. If it's your name, you've got a pretty good chance of getting that job. You're at least going to get first crack at it. So we'll talk about brand recognition in about 10 minutes because a new survey has been done. And I think this is fascinating to see what brands pop into our minds. We are also going to talk about a little something that came out yesterday, and it, you probably missed it. wasn't even that big a deal. It was Torrey Smith, who is a wide receiver in the National Football League, and he was playing his son, and they were playing Madden, and he was hammering him. The score wasn't even close. Torrey Smith had over 100 points in this game, and his poor son was sitting there getting just blasted. But it brings up an interesting question. When a child is young, and you can kind of put whatever parameters you want on it, when a child is, I don't know, four, five, six, ten, do you let them win? Because chances are, if you are challenging them to a race, you can outrun them. There's a pretty good chance. If you are playing one-on-one, -on -one, on the driveway basketball net. Do you let them win? If you're playing a board game, if you're playing chess, if you're playing video games, is it useful to let them win? We'll talk about what Derek Jeter's dad did. And remember, Derek Jeter was a very successful baseball player. He hasn't been as successful as an owner. And we'll talk about, of course, Tiger Woods' father, but do you let your child win? That comes up in a half hour from now. We are also going to look at something we were discussing last week. We talked about committees and public meetings and things like that. It bothers me to see public meetings that come up that people have to devote time to at City Hall and then 12 people show up. Well, for those 12 people, that's great. For anybody else, it's not. 12 people does not even begin to give us a decent sample size. Somebody might have a good idea, but could you not email that in? Could you not do it a different way? We're going to see what the city of Regina is doing. Mike had sent me a note saying you should check out the city of Regina and what they deal with when it comes to public meetings or things like committees. So we'll talk with Dr. Andrew Stevens, who's actually a Ward 3 counselor 
in the city of Regina, Saskatchewan. And that will be just after 2 o'clock today. We're also going to talk about what's happening in volleyball tonight at Fanshawe because they are doing something to raise money for good to talk. And this is something that maybe needs more attention than what it has been getting already. Good to talk. And we'll find out more about that later on on the show. With it being as slushy and as wet as it is, why don't we kick things off this way? Let's find out how we keep this water that's going to continue to fall throughout the afternoon and into the evening out of our homes. If you live on the second floor, that's fine. What about out of your business, especially if your business is a rented spot or an owned piece of property downtown? Joining us is Chris Cragen, the operations manager from Winmar. Chris, uh, how wet is it right now? Well, the, the phones have been ringing since last night nonstop. <laughs> and is that phones from people who have water already in their homes? Unfortunately, yes, that's, uh, that seems to be the case. Um, mostly uh, commercial losses and uh, you know, flat roof type losses. They can't shed the water away quick enough, and it's finding ways in. And uh, also, obviously, the pipes that have burst days ago uh, in that real cold snap that um, are now thawing, and people are realizing that the, the pipes have now frozen and burst, and the water's starting to flow today now that the temperatures are a little warmer. Man, the double whammy. How do you protect against something like burst pipes when you're going through temperature swings like we are? Well, you know, you have to understand the the sort of the, the makeup of the system in your home or, or commercial building and if it is in any sort of cold areas attics uh any sort of uh you know near some outside walls or out, outside doors uh radiators on outside walls things like that um you know you try to you know try to insulate them properly try to um you know or get some warm airflow to those areas so they're not sort of just trapped in minus 20 30 degree temperatures we're talking with Chris Cragen from Winmar very quickly because of how busy they are right now. But if we look at the forecast, yeah, rain, rain, rain right on through until probably 10, 11 o'clock tonight when it may change to snow as the temperature drops. That means a lot more water falling in and around foundations. Is there anything anybody should be doing right now around their house or when they get home today just to ensure water is not getting into the foundation and into their house? Well, there'll be two things, I guess, with uh, today's type of issues would be um, you can get some ice damming issues, you know, along the eaves trough line of your homes. If the snow and ice is built up over the days and now this water's running down, if it can't escape down through your eaves troughs and downspouts, sometimes they, it'll back up into your house called ice damming, um, and, and it, that's a source for water to get into the home. Um, so you can rake the snow away from your use troughs, try to, you know, maybe get some environmental salt and put it up there to allow the water to flow away from the home. Um, secondly, test your sump pump. Get down there, pour some water down the sump pump possibly to get it activated to, you know, to make sure that the water's flowing out and away from your home properly. Uh, it hasn't run in weeks because it's been so cold, um, and this will be the first time it's, you know, it's asked to sort of work again. So you want to make sure you go out and, Maybe test that yourself to avoid any sort of surprises later tonight. So, best thing to do to test it, you say, is just fill it up with water and see if it does turn on when that floaty it. lifts up? Exactly. That's exactly it. Now, can you reach in and, and lift the floaty yourself, or do you not kind of need water to do it? Well, no. You can reach in and do it yourself by activating the float, but you want to make sure that there's water in there uh, so that the, the motor is not 
pumping dry. Gotcha. You, you do want to see that the water goes out because you also want to make sure that it, it you know, it it is shot outside where it's supposed to, and that that line isn't frozen, you know, from maybe a snow drift or some ice in, in your outtake. So you want to make sure that the water can actually get out of the house. So you do want to test it with water. Where do we find where the water's coming out with the sump pump? Um, well, usually directly or very close to where your sump pump is in your home. You can trace the the um, where the water will be exported, normally between your two houses, sometimes out back. But, you, you know, there will be a pipe that is exported from the house, um, and it's good to have an extension on that that leads away from the house at least six or eight feet to try to get the water away from your foundation when it does activate. Great tips. Chris, thank you so much for the five minutes you've been able to give us, and uh, good luck with uh, the rest of the adventures that are coming your way the rest of the day. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Chris Cragen, Operations Manager with Winmar. Up next, we're going to talk brand recognition on London Live. When I say bread, you say, when I say shoes, you say, huh? We'll see what Canadians are saying about those things and more. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. It's still raining, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's still a little on the nasty side. We'll keep you up to date on when things are supposed to get a little bit colder. In the meantime, why don't we talk about things that have been really hot? Because the 6th Annual Brand Spark Most Trusted Awards winners were announced. And I love this. If you are looking at the world of advertising, what does an advertiser hope for? They want to know that whenever you think in your mind, I need this, that you are going to go and either take advantage of their service or take advantage of their product. So, for instance, if I say cottage cheese, what do you say? Uh, Something I haven't eaten for a really long time? No, Dairyland, because BrandSpark has put out their results of a survey that show just which things come up when product names are considered and when products are mentioned. Joining us right now is Robert Levy, and Robert is with BrandSpark. He's the president of BrandSpark, and Robert, we want to thank you for your time today on London Live. Uh, nice to be here with you. Let's talk about the sixth annual awards. So, what prompted you to decide to start this kind of award? We just thought that there are an increasing number of channels and communication options creating a lot of clutter um, for consumers. And with technology and with the ability to really um, have reviews and ratings, things that we work on helping brands, um, you know, produce, we thought, what better way than to go and do a national survey and find out what brands consumers trust the most. And just like you said, we kind of come up with the category name, and then we let consumers tell us in their own words which brands they trust and why, and then we compile that data. We had over 60,000 responses this year in our survey, so it makes it the largest trust uh, survey in Canada to really get a sense of what do other Canadians think based on their prior experience. So this becomes a real guide for consumers now when they are deciding what to buy um, to know what other Canadians' uh, experience has been. And we're talking about a lot of products, over a hundred. 
Yes, this year we had 109 categories, 33 new categories, because there's a lot of innovation, a lot of new technology. So we thought we would expand it to consumer products and also home products and actually increasingly products that um, are going to help the population do more things to test their health at home as well. Okay, let's talk about some of the interesting things that jump out to you. What does the report show you that that maybe kind of did jump off the page? So I think, uh, yeah, we had a couple of things uh, like innovation can trump heritage. Sometimes when you have brands that have been around for a long time, you think automatically they're most trusted. So they do have an advantage um, as long as they keep up with innovation and also value. So some of the ones that now we see innovation has trumped heritage, uh, brands like Dyson for vacuum cleaners, you know, Hoover has been around forever, but that doesn't mean it's the most trusted brand. Now Dyson, which is often a premium product um, with technology, has kind of taken that over. Samsung, uh, very strong in electronics, moving into appliances. Uh, Nest, uh, based on technology for thermostats. So we can see where innovation can actually take over, but you can also see that heritage brands um, can actually continue fighting as long as they stay relevant. So brands like Gillette, there's been a you know, recent, recent uh, interest and controversy on the commercial um, that they released, but again, a very strong brand with innovation and with heritage and other brands like Olay, Tide, Arm & Hammer with Cat Litter, and even Maytag and Appliances. So I think seeing that, that, co- that combination of either innovation and value um, together with heritage, but it's, it's not a given for these brands. You have to continue to fight for that trust. We're talking with the president of Brandspark, Robert Levy, and we're talking about a new report that outlines the sixth annual Brandspark Awards. And what they do is they look at exactly what Canadians are feeling when they think about a product. What kind of brand name are they going toward? It's a wild world out there, Robert. And if you're to look at maybe some of the reasons or some of the the big factors as to why some of these companies excel, is there anything that you can point to in that way? Sure. I think um, value for money, and I think uh, there's a couple of boxes to tick. You know, there's innovation, value, um, whether you're Canadian, whether people understand the story. So we've seen, you know, some Canadian brands thrive and succeed. So Maple Leaf, um, and we see um, some of the dairy brands like Nielsen and Oka, and they're getting, kind of gearing up now for competition. So it's nice to see that there's actually some very strong Canadian brands, and we added um, some extra dairy categories. Um, Endy is a mattress in a box has become very... Uh, popular, this idea of convenient mattresses. Casper is the big U.S. Uh, giant that um, kind of is leading in this innovation, but Envy is a Canadian brand recently bought by Sleep Country, has kind of now neck and neck and is actually tied with Casper. But just being Canadian isn't enough. There really has to be a commitment like Maple Leaf this year committed to making their product more natural because natural is a trend that we see is very strong among Canadians. You know, the food guide has changed. So Canadians are paying more attention to, to food, and we can see that brands like Catelli, uh, the most trusted pasta brand, also continues to innovate with smart pasta, with, you know, servings of vegetables and gluten-free. So, again, these brands need to take their advantages but continue to, to um, 
innovate based on what is most important to Canadians. And we also see some brands like falling back in face of private label. So Costco um, is continuing to promote its Kirkland brand very strong. And it was actually the winner in vacuum tissue this year, which is the first time we've had a private label brand um, be strong in that category. Home Depot has its bear brand of paint. They actually lead. So it's interesting that consumers actually figure out what brands are delivering the, the value. And each one of these has very interesting stories to learn from. How big do you think it is that a lot of consumers seem to do a lot of research before buying these brands that you come out and, and you see, you know, changes like that where you know, shoppers just aren't walking out typically and saying, yeah, I'll take well, one of those so I can get out of here. It's typically a lot of research before they buy, isn't it? Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, we um, started collecting consumer verbatims 15 years ago. But I think what the game changer there was, quite frankly, was Amazon. And so by Amazon really promoting the reviews uh, together with sites like TripAdvisor, all of a sudden it just became a way that Canadians now do their research and they really want to know what other people think. And sometimes the negative review is okay because if that review is not for someone like you, that's actually valuable information. And I think what's been great is the brands are now comfortable in being way more transparent, where there's positive reviews, negative reviews, as long as they're honest. We actually started a platform called Shopper Army to collect honest reviews from product testers. So we have like 30,000 product testers. And it's great that both the brands and consumers have embraced this idea of looking at the consumers and that's why the brand spark most trusted is so valuable because in a way if you see that purple seal or if you know it's one of most trusted you actually know that it's like you have the opinions of thousands of other canadians that are like in your hip pocket and you can double check the features online um, and there's all sorts of more transparency now and that's where brand spark is also responding to to the needs of transparency and value by creating these new platforms um, like Shopper Army to communicate the views of consumers. They are the BrandSpark Most Trusted Awards, and if you want to see the entire list, and you should, it's almost like a test. You can hold it up to somebody and say, okay, what about this? What would you do? All right, what about this? Where would you buy it? Uh, you can go to BrandSparkMostTrusted.com. Robert, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks a lot, and you're right. It's great dinner conversation, and I actually run it by my uh, my family every year, and we run through our little test to see how many they can get right. <laughs> I think we'll do a couple of those right now. Robert, have a great day. <laughs> Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. It's Robert Levy. He's the president of BrandSpark, and they do this every year. This is the sixth annual BrandSpark Most Trusted Awards. Okay, so try this. We've got a couple of minutes before news. Actually, we've got one minute before we go. So try this. I'm going to say the name of something, and you think of the product that pops into your mind, and we'll see how many of these you can get. We'll do three of them, okay? Hot dogs. What would pop into your mind? I'll tell you in a sec. Uh, laundry detergent. What would pop into your head? And let's go with drain cleaner. Okay, you ready? Hot dogs, Schneider's. Laundry detergent, Tide. Drain cleaner, Drano. And these are Canadian, remember, and they had 60,000 responses helping to create this. We'll do some more a little later on on London Live. But again, if you want to check out the entire list or test your family to see whether they can pick out the most trusted brands, brandsparkmosttrusted.com. We'll take a break. We're going to talk about whether or not 
you should let kids win. Whether or not you should let kids win early on in life. Good thing, bad thing. If I had to do it over again, I might make a change. You know that whole parenting thing? You kind of make it up as you go along? I might make a change. This is London Live. You're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL. There is a post that Tory Smith, who is an NFL wide receiver, put on Twitter. And he put it on, on what, January 21st. What is today? 23rd? Monday. Put it up on Monday. And I want to take a second to talk about it. You don't have to see it. You can find the actual post on my Twitter feed right now at Stubbs980 if you want to watch it. Because it comes with a little video. And it's a video that shows the back of Tory Smith's head, or Tory Smith's son's head. His name is TJ. I don't know how old TJ is exactly, but if he's more than five, I'd be shocked. So somewhere around five. And the video shows the back of TJ's head, and then it shows a screen. And on the screen, you have the two of them playing Madden. And Madden is... Basically, the NFL video game that all football video game playing fans play. And the score is Carolina 120, Jacksonville 22. Torrey Smith is a wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. He's playing as the Carolina Panthers. And he is beating his five-year-old son 120 to 22. Now, the game's almost over. It's got 50 seconds left in it. He has tweeted, my kids will know what it's like to fail and never quit. There are some positives in video games. And later on, we've got, I, I'm thinking this is Tori Smith's wife who has posted on Instagram, Tori Smith beat TJ 120 to 22 in Madden. He's sick. Leave it to me to make it an academic lesson. Synonyms for beat? Demolished, destroyed, defeated, his choice. The headline read, Tory Smith annihilated his son in Madden. Annihilated is definitely the right word. And then she had all kinds of comments. He had all kinds of comments. This is the question that I pose to you. Is it useful when a child is young to allow them the opportunity to win? In other words, to let them win. So I don't care if you're playing Monopoly. I don't care if you're playing Madden. I don't care if you're running a race. Is it useful to allow a child to win? Or is this a better lesson where you have, and these appear to be Tori Smith's wife's words, annihilated, demolished, destroyed, and defeated your son? 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. I'm very interested in what you have to say about this. Do you let a young child win? Just a little. Maybe take a little off. Or is it important for them to learn how to lose and how to try harder? 519-643-2222. You can email mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at stubs980. Back to chat about it in a moment. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Immediately got an email coming from Nancy, and Nancy says, How old is Tori Smith? She didn't say one way or another whether she was in favor of annihilating your child in a video game. He looks like he's five. Uh, TJ, the son. Tori himself is 29. 
Here's what we're talking about. Tory Smith posted a video of him and his son playing Madden, having a great old time. He was beating his son 120 to 22. That is 17 touchdowns and one missed extra point. That's what that is. So what do you think? Is it a good idea to teach kids that it's okay to fail or sometimes you're going to come up against a better opponent when they are young or do you take a little off? Do you let kids win? If you're scoring 120 points in Madden, you're not taking anything off. 519-643-2222. Let's begin this one hearing from Mark. Mark, how do you feel about this? Hi, good afternoon. I think there's a balance to things. I don't, I don't, nothing, nothing is worse than this, uh, just don't keep a score and, uh, not, not, there is no, um, accounting for outcome in any of this. So you've got to win some and you've got to lose some. I re- my mind immediately went back to a soccer game I was invited to by a friend. Uh, Cody is 12 years old. He's playing and I'm watching the start of the game. There's no warm up. There's no rah rah. There's no nothing. It's like a social club. So at halftime, I went over and I said, Cody, and I realized I'm just trying to balance the scales out. Cody, I'm going to give you $20 for every goal you score. I don't care what position you play. I don't care what penalty you get. You get 20 bucks for every ball you put through that net. I'll tell you, the second half was a lot different. <laughs> and how much did it cost you in the end? $40. <laughs> but, he, but he was a defenseman. So you know what I mean? Like, like I says, I don't care what position you're playing. It doesn't matter to me. This is, this is, this, you're not teaching the kids anything. The, the coaches were, well, why don't you just go home? Or you wasted everybody's time here. It, it was just, uh, and so I'd like to see, you know, a, a balance to things, you know? You know what? I love it. Hey, Mark, I'm so glad you called today. Thank you. Thank you. 519-643-2222. I'm with Mark. Soccer especially. Keep score. The kids keep score. They know what the score is. They know who's winning. They know who's losing. And once you turn 18, life's about winning and losing. And if you don't know how to do the latter, you are in trouble. Do you allow kids, when they're younger, do you allow them to win? Or do you just say, hey, come on, beat me, let's go, bring it on. 519-643-2222. Let's go to Todd. Todd, how do you feel about this? Um, I, my dad lets me win always, and we played floor hockey, and I beat my dad about 12 times. I was 14 then. And do you think you're better off for it? Yes. All right. Todd, thanks for the call. 519-643-2222. Steve. Well, I, uh, I'm kind of conflicted on it. You... I don't believe in handing off a victory to your child, but you need to make sure that that victory is attainable for them. To uh, beat them 120 or whatever it yeah, was. 120 to 22. Yeah, that, that is just demolishing all hope. Uh, you need to make it attainable uh, and just beat them by maybe 10 in that case. Uh, just makes reassure that the goal is attainable. I like that. That that makes a lot of sense because you still get the opportunity to learn how to lose, but you don't get embarrassed. I mean, even professional teams will try not to run up the score if kind of the the point differential doesn't matter. Exactly. I like it, Steve. Thanks for the call. Yep. 
519-643-2222. Marilyn, great to hear from you. Oh, well, guess what? I was 84 on Monday, and I hope to get you to sing happy birthday to me. Should I do that now? Yeah, you can do it. Happy birthday to you. I'm out of tune. Is that Will that do? Happy hey, birthday, Marilyn. Well, thank you very much. I met a girl who knows Carrie quite well. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she works in Foodland um, on the weekend. Fantastic. And she's a pretty girl. She said she's on the same track team as Kylie. Okay. And she goes to King's College. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's yeah. fantastic. But anyways, it wouldn't be difficult for anyone, kid or adult, to beat me at anything. <laughs> Marilyn, I don't know. You are you are one of the wisest people I know. And you know what? That stands and counts for something. Well, you know, when they were tiny, when they were under, uh, say, under six, I used to let them win at Monopoly or, or X and O's or anything. Any game we played, Old Maid or anything like that, I'd let them win. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, the heck, what's that? You know. But over but, six, that's when you kind of kicked it into gear? Well, that's, they were smart kids. <laughs> they caught on quick. Pretty so, soon you can try to beat them and you can't. Well, I couldn't beat them now. I couldn't beat them at bowling or anything like that, you know, because they are good kids, uh, really smart kids. And my uh, granddaughter goes to, um, uh, oh, she goes, I forget, high school. Isn't that awful? That's all right. Don't name the high school on, on the air. That's all right. Just that call right? it high school. You're not allowed to name that well, you high can, school. Well, you can. I'm just thinking, uh, it's, why don't we just call well, it high it's school? Mother Teresa. Okay. And she's going back to playing soccer. And she, her father is Croatian, and she is really, she's got it in her blood. And she really is good at soccer, so I'm glad she's going back to that. Well, but, you know, competitive years, spirit. Ago, years ago when I was a little kid, the boys used to let me play baseball because I was the only one in the neighborhood who had a bat. <laughs> Can you believe that? Marilyn, that's a fantastic story. Let's leave it there. Let's talk soon. Okay, dear. Thank you Happy very much. Happy birthday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 519-643-2222. We're talking about whether or not it's healthy to let kids win. And they can be five. They can be six. They can be 12. Todd said he was 14. His dad would still take something off and let him win. Healthy? Not healthy. 519-643-2222. Let's go to Gary. Hey, Mike. How are you? Hey, pretty good. That's good. No, I think kids uh, need to learn how to lose. I don't because think we do think, enough of it. We protect them too much. Oh, God, man, we're the bubble wrap society, aren't we? Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, God God forbid Johnny gets his feelings hurt, you know. <laughs> but anyhow, I mean, no, they, like, seriously, they do need to lose because think about how good they feel when they win. And that's just it. You don't know how good winning feels or how hard it is until you've gone through some losing, right? Absolutely. It always, it just, your conversation just reminds me of when, uh, in Seinfeld, when uh, Kramer joined uh, karate. <laughs> he was he was fighting all the kids. <laughs> uh, as soon as you started talking about it, I, that came to mind, so I just thought I'd call in. But, That's no, I do great. agree. Kids do need to lose. I mean, uh, you know, life is not fair and it's not fun all the time, mm-hmm. and we don't always get to win. So, you know, teach them when they're young. Gary, thanks. Have a day. Bye-bye. 519-643-2222. David, is it good to let kids win, or should you kind of teach them those lessons early that life's tough? 
Oh, no, you, you, you absolutely uh, let them loose. Back in the, the late 60s, I learned how to play cribbage and gin rummy up in Grand Bend, <clears throat> and I did not win. And, uh, but I got, by being annoyed by beating, being beaten by my father, I certainly became more aware, more alert, trying to figure out the strategies that he was using and the things that against me. And eventually I was able to beat him, and then he would take me over to the neighbor's house, and then I would beat them in cards. It would be quite fun for him to watch that, <laughs> uh, you know, on that. And then, but it all comes around that goes around Christmas Day, playing with, I'm 58, my daughter's 24, and she beat me at the post in cribbage. If you know the game, it goes to 121, and I, I was 121 to 120, oh. so they don't like to lose to me and I either, and so it's gone on to another generation. So I think absolutely it's a, it's a good thing, certainly when it comes to a physical sport, I mean, there's certainly limitations within it, and that can always be a little difficult, but especially with card games, whether especially back in the 60s, when if you were in, at a cottage, if it rained, you didn't have a lot to do. So it was monopoly. It was risk. You played board games, and they became highly competitive, and, and it was a lot of fun. Look at that. You just used the word fun three or four times, or at least the, the sense of fun three or four times. You created that through that competitive spirit, and your dad created that, and that's something you'll, you'll never lose. And look at how much fun Christmas was. Yeah, well, and, and as I said, you know, so the, it, it transcended into my daughters, and my daughter played basketball and sports all through high school, was a walk-on on the Western track team, loves to win, loves to compete, and is not a, is not a sore loser when she's beaten by a better player. And so I think that's just a great, it's always a good learning tool. And that's I don't it. think it ever hurts, because in life we can't win all the time. We want to try, but we have to realize we can't, and it's okay to get beaten if you give it your best, and the other person is better than you. Well said. Gary, let's leave it there. Or sorry, uh, David, let's yeah. leave it there. Thank you. Thanks a lot. 519-643-2222. If you do want to add in, we still do have a couple of minutes, but no, David outlined it. That healthy competition, that's what the world is actually about. Because as much as we like to think, oh, it's a dog-eat-dog world and Norm Peterson's wearing milkbone underwear, that's not necessarily the case. You can look at it as healthy competition, but so often we don't teach kids how to win and then watch what happens when they do lose. Go to a hockey tournament or you can't really go to soccer anymore because it's a festival. Can we get rid of that sometime soon? Uh, Go to a baseball tournament and take a look at somebody who hasn't yet learned how to lose. They're the ones that are kicking and throwing their helmet or throwing the bat or crying or whining. They're the ones that haven't learned how to lose. And, you know, that's an important lesson. If life is a climb up the mountain, you realize how important that climb is. You realize that you do need to sweat it out. You do need to go through a couple of stumbles because then you do appreciate when you get to the top of the mountain. You know what we do too often for kids these days? We rent helicopters and we put the kid in the helicopter and we fly them to the top of the mountain. And you say, look, you made it to the top of the mountain fantastic and then when they get older and can't afford their own helicopter or don't have access to one they wonder why they can't get back to the top of the mountain they've never learned how to climb and that's the real real tragedy in all of this i'm not saying beat your kid 120 to 22 in fact i wouldn't recommend that i mean if i were to go back i kind of stalled teaching my own son how to lose and how to win because I wanted him to like stuff. So I wanted him to have fun doing something. So I would let him win. 
And this is back when he would be, you know, three, four, five years old. And as much as he has developed a competitive sense recently, or let's say in, in the last, I don't know, 10 years, six, seven years maybe, he didn't have it at first. And I wonder what that did. He has it now, but it, it's kind of one of those late-onset things. So, yeah, if, if you had to do it again, I wonder. I would, I would make it a little tougher. I can't beat him at anything now. But early on, yeah, I think you want to develop that competitive edge. You almost need it for daycare, and maybe that's where it develops. If your child goes to daycare, then they need that competitive edge, or they're not going to get to do very much. 519-643-2222. Just my own thoughts. Bob, we have about 40 seconds, but they're your 40 seconds. Yeah, you know, don't you, know, you can't just give it to, give it away for free to kids. Yeah, you're right, because they won't know how to lose. You know, I'll tell you what, I was brought up that way, and it was like, you know, we had a pool table in the house. My dad was good at it, right? We played chess. We played cards. Nobody got a freebie. Nobody got a medal. I mean, look what happens when that happens. you got people like some of these crazy Democrats over in the States. They don't know how to lose, right? Um, but, you know, with hockey in my, in, my, in my son, I mean, when he was small, like, you know, two, three years old, we play in a house between the doorways like a lot of, you know, parents do, and, you know, you got a little ball and some little mini sticks and stuff. And, uh, and you know, even then, uh, I remember, I wish I had it on tape because there was times when he was about four or five and uh, he thought the ball went in. I said, no, it didn't go in. And he would literally almost throw a little tantrum, right? And I'm like, well, no, it didn't go in. You, you, you can't win that way. And uh, But I think that helped uh, in the long run because, uh, you know, then they, they try a little harder, right, when they hit tough spots and bumps in the road, right? they got to push through that stuff. But, yeah, you know what? When, when he was like 15, uh, 14, 15, or 16, and we go and, you know, on a pad of ice and just uh, the two of us do a little shinny or something, yeah, I couldn't stop the kid because he, you know, he got real good. And I'm pretty sure in the back of his mind he was like, I want to beat the old man bad on this one. <laughs> and that for, comes up quick, doesn't it? Yeah, and good for him, right? Yeah, absolutely. Bob, thanks for the call. All right. Got to run for news. We'll tell you what's coming up in our next hour in just a moment. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Last week we were talking about public meetings and whether or not it was time to get rid of them. You have a public meeting at City Hall and 20 people show up. What do you have? You may get a good idea every once in a while, but you don't have enough of the population to truly get a gauge of how people feel. So what if we did away with these things? As soon as we had that conversation, got a note from Mike, and he said, check out Regina, see what they do there. Well, that's what we're going to do in about 15 minutes. We're going to check out Regina. We're going to see what they do there. We are also going to talk about good to talk because it will be the beneficiary of a couple of volleyball games being played at Fanshawe College tonight. And if we have time, we do need to salute the life of Roy Halladay, as he's now off to the Baseball Hall of Fame, elected yesterday. News is next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Greatest social disease, what is it? Why do you do that? Well, it's the way we've always done it. If you're not looking forward and not trying to figure out new ways of doing things, you're going to get left in the dust. And it's... Never nice to be left in the dust. You get all dirty. You don't like it. So why do it? Well, we're going to talk about avoiding that kind of social disease right now. 
Because if we think about the way that we break down, we no longer have a board of control at City Hall. That was, at some point, felt antiquated. We got rid of that. But we still have committees, and we still do things like public meetings where 12 people show up. This is a city that effectively has 450,000 concerned citizens. The population signs are growing close to 400,000 themselves. Then we've got some annexed areas. Well, 12 people? That's not good. What about the use of time for city councilors? Well, let's take a look at how somebody else is doing this. If we go west and we find Regina, we find a city that, no, is not 450,000 or 390,000 or wherever you happen to want to put the population of the city of London, Ontario, but it's not 65,000. It's not even 115,000. Regina comes in at well over 200,000 people. So this, in my mind, is comparable. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Joining us right now to talk about the way that they are starting to do things in Regina is Dr. Andrew Stevens. He is a Ward 3 counselor for the city of Regina. Dr. Stevens, thanks so much for being here. A pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Let's look at kind of a transition period that Regina has first been talking about, and then we can talk about how far into it you are. What changes did you decide to make if we go back into that old year 2018? Good question. So if we're thinking about citizen engagement, uh, about three years ago, the city administration was tasked with reviewing the advisory committees and, and groups that helped provide some insight to councillors and city administration on what residents are thinking and resident input in shaping policy. That review came back to us recently and the result, although you know there was some conflict and I, I have some reservations about it, was to dissolve a handful of community advisory committees. And the thought behind it was, as you just uh, highlighted, sometimes you don't get that many people out. The thought was some people are showing up to these committees maybe for a free lunch, uh, lack of quorum, uh, maybe they didn't get enough support. So what happened was the result of, of that debate was we'd keep one of the most active committees, one of the most important committees that was instrumental in shaping policy, the Accessibility Advisory Committee. But I think to some extent, unfortunate, we disbanded a series of others like the Community Leaders Advisory Committee, uh, the Youth Advisory Committee, among others, because they just didn't seem that effective. And part of the, the response was not, we need less citizen engagement, but let's think about new ways uh, using online platforms, the website, plus committees, plus going back to the community, thinking about how do you want to get engaged. So it was kind of all of the above. Um, the city of Regina passed a very exciting motion that set a 100% renewable target by 2050. So I'm hoping that this lends to a conversation about new ways of getting citizens engaged. But I think the point is, don't sever that tie with the residents. Encouraging them to get engaged is critical. But maybe there's new ways of doing it. And maybe the existing boards and committees aren't what people want to be participating in. So it's about reinventing yourself and a platform for citizen engagement. So... It went from being some report information to being proposed to coming into effect. Where do you sit right now with all of that? Uh, well, currently we did change the bylaw that's structured and allows these committees to exist. So right now we 
of, of these community advisory committees, we disbanded all of them uh, with the exception of one, the Accessibility Advisory Committee, simply because it was so effective. People were showing up and making great uh, advice to the, for the city to, to think about. We also started a new one on uh, diversity and inclusivity. So we got rid of a handful of committees. We kept one. We reinduced it uh, or we introduced another. So we, that was finalized. And what we're now doing is putting a call out for these new committees to get people on them and maybe now get some feedback from residents about what they think about the ones that disappeared. So we, we read the report and we approved the bylaw changes. And so here we are. We're talking with Dr. Andrew Stevens, Ward 3 Counselor with the City of Regina, about ways to do things differently. The initial reaction to all of this, it's been carried out, obviously, but what have people been saying all the way along? Well, obviously, when you say that you're going to get rid of a committee where citizens sat and participated in the democratic process, uh, I think residents should be justifiably concerned. They should ask questions, and we should do our homework to make sure we're not doing that, actually, but we're creating new spaces. Um, there was a negative backlash, and I think the sad thing was, despite all the social media and, and uh, Facebook and, and Twitter commentary, only two people showed up to really make a case at the committee level or at the council meeting to keep these advisory committees alive. So at the one time, people are saying these are so important. Um, no one really showed up to keep them alive. But I think now it's a matter of holding the city administration and us as counselors accountable and say, no, we want you here. We're going to do something different. We're going to create new forms of engagement. So it's about keeping that promise um, and finding new ways for people to participate. But yes, there will be those who think this is anti-democratic. To them, I say, we'll show up to these meetings. Let's see the track record on how successful they were at providing advice and change to how the city runs. Yeah, that's just it. And, and what do you think, you know, without having hard and fast numbers beside you, what do you think the, the connection was to that? People showing up and, and change being broad, pretty low, wouldn't it be? Well, in that case, yes. But the reason we kept the Accessibility Advisory Committee was because you had a dedicated group of citizens who populated that committee. They were active. They showed up. We also had dedicated staff people who were making sure that that committee was was functional. So we kept the committee that worked. And by worked, it meant that people with uh, disabilities or had um, concerns about how we offered transit and paratransit services in some cases, the most marginalized population in the city, they're at the table. We haven't severed our relationship with them at all. Those people show up. So I think that's kind of the test. If you have a committee that's active, it's working, it's providing solid advice, it's run well, there's no reason to get rid of that. And that's why we kept it. So it's a different story if no one appears, there's no quorum, uh, it's not producing reports. I think the effectiveness is how do you staff it, what kind of leadership is shown by council, the mayor, and city staff to make sure those committees are alive. If you've tried everything, nobody shows up. Maybe it's a different way of approaching citizen engagement at that point. We're talking with Dr. Andrew Stevens, Ward 3 Councillor in the city of Regina, where they have reduced the number of standing committees. And think about all the ones that we have, very similar names to actually what they have in Regina. And one has stood. What has this done for the lives of councillors, Dr. Stevens? Well, as a first-time councillor, I never actually had the opportunity to uh, participate in any of these committees. And just to be clear, these are committees where residents had a voice and had a say. 
Um, there are other committees that are just populated by, by counselors. So from my perspective, we still have uh, part-time counselors here. So we all have other jobs uh, and we try to balance both. I'm, I'm reluctant to take on more work. And I think my perspective is I want to make sure that the time that I spend is incredibly effective. I listen to residents on my own time. Social media engagement is something that I do. Um, if you have a committee that's not doing anything and you're struggling to get people there, it's really not an effective use of anyone's time. So instead, now I can encourage more people to come to the standing committees that just have counselors. Uh, I would promote this advisory committee that involves citizens. So I think it's a real channeling your energy into what currently exists. Make people show up. Make sure you're doing a lot of press releases and engagement with your own residents. Get them to, tr- to turn out and have their voice, which is currently still at their fingertips. Right. And, and do you think that that will take some time to catch on in terms of whether or not you would look for emails or whether or not you would look for a, a way to, to develop something else, a, a bank that people could basically put, put input into, something like that? Yeah, good question. Well, you know, people aren't shy in this city. So the existing committees, uh, residents show up. Uh, we're just going through a review of our recreation facilities. Lots of voice. Lots of input, tons of uh, very critical reflections on what we're doing. So folks are showing up. They're having their say. Um, I think maybe now it's about asking residents at the at the ward level, at the community level, what kind of communities would you like? Uh, if we're going towards a more, a more environmentally sound and, and renewable city, it might be starting new committees, getting new experts involved in these particular issues. So I think it's a bit of both. Uh, it's using an online platform. And then asking what kind of committees should we have at all of, of just residents and, and constantly going back to the electorate to make sure that they have a place to exercise their rights and their voice. In terms of one final thing, public participation meetings, what do you tend to find with those and, and have you addressed those in any way? Absolutely. I love hosting town halls. I think the real test of a, of a town hall, especially at the community and neighborhood level, is do you see new faces? So for me, I actually select issues that are of importance to residents, and that might come through a a tweet, it might come through an email, and I set up a public meeting. So I kind of have a a focus group, I bring city staff in, and for me, again, the test is, am I seeing the same old crowd? Well, yeah, there's people that are just committed, they're like going to this, but really, are you getting new people out saying new things? And I think that's what's important. Make sure that you appear to be responsive, you act on what the residents are looking for, and you give them a forum and a set of ideas that are interesting and that they want to engage in. That's, for me, the test of, of how these kind of uh, committees or public events should be thought about and hosted. Do you broadcast your town halls or your public participation meetings? Uh, unfortunately, not. I think I've, I've been to a few where some community associations have uh, streamed it on Facebook our council meeting, of course, is televised, and I think that should be extended to all of our subcommittees as well. So if there was some advice that I would lend to uh, your city and your councillors is make sure everything is accessible online and televised if possible in case people can't show up. Um, even if you had communications, people that are doing some uh, live tweeting, that's important. Make sure the media is there. For me, it's, it's really about... Um, having residents provide feedback to their own neighbors and others. But that is something I should certainly consider is online streaming uh, if the technology is available.
Okay. Well, Dr. Stevens, we can't thank you enough for all your time today. Enjoy the day in Regina. Is it okay today? What are you dealing with weather-wise? <laughs> if it's not minus 30 in Saskatchewan, we're happy. It's wonderful. <laughs> Have a great afternoon. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Take care. Uh, it's true, though. It's true. Winters can be long. Dr. Andrew Stevens, he's a Ward 3 counselor with the city of Regina. So what they've done is they, three years ago, said, okay, how do we do this better? And they got the report back and they said, you know what? We're not seeing a lot of participation in some of the standing committees. And we have those at the city of London level where it's not counselors at the standing committees, but it's it's advisory committees. I shouldn't call them standing committees, the advisory committees. And so they've done away with all of those except for one, because that was not giving them the right amount of information. The city of London, credit them for what they do because they do stream. And they do make information available, and they are always looking for new ways to do it. It's just a matter of when you hold one of those town hall-type things and 10 people come, is it worth doing it? Is it providing you with any, you know, any great number of ideas? Problem is, it would only take one person to come and perhaps provide a great idea or a great reaction. So I think we'll see that continue. But is there a way you would rather communicate with the city? Would you like just to be able to go and and file grievances? See, I'd be concerned about that because you know what it would turn into? It would turn into basically what Facebook is, or at least a portion of Facebook, where nobody reads anything. So something is posted on Facebook, somebody reads the headline, thinks they know exactly what it is, and then type, 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 and they write some kind of nasty old comment about, you know, why this is wrong or why this is dumb or why the person who created it is a moron. And they haven't taken the time to actually appreciate and learn what's being discussed. So if you created kind of an online platform and just did that, that would be one of the dangers. That you wouldn't get people who were giving informed opinion. And that's essentially what you need. And yet, days are too busy. You don't really have time to go for two hours. And some people just don't get that far involved into municipal politics where they're going to give two hours and say, okay, I'm going to go and listen. And even though this doesn't really affect my neighborhood, certainly doesn't affect me, I'm going to give a thought on whatever this platform or whatever this idea might be. You're not going to find that either. If you do have any ideas, if all of a sudden you lay awake tonight at 3 a.m. and you think, you know what the city should do, then email, and I will make sure and pass it along. Mike at 980cfpl.ca. That's Mike at 980cfpl.ca. I want to get caught up on an email or two. And also a story that was attached to one of the emails that proves some people never do learn how to lose. That story's next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Here is a great story. Thanks to Derek for emailing this to Mike at 980cfpl.ca. Last hour, we were talking about whether or not it was healthy to let kids lose or, conversely, whether it was healthy to beat up on them early on in life and show them that winning is hard. And it went back to Torrey Smith, who is a wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers, who posted on Twitter that he was beating his son, who looks about five. His name's TJ. He's a cute kid. He was beating him 120 to 22 in Madden. 
that's a pretty lopsided game. But learning to lose is important. Learning to win is important. And Derek emailed something that is a link with uh, a subject line that reads, some people never learn how to lose. And it goes to Matt Bowers. You probably don't know him, but he's a New Orleans Saints fan. And he's been a New Orleans Saints fan for a long time. And he also has done very well. He owns a car dealership. And what he has done is he has purchased a big billboard. And I don't know how much he paid to have this happen, but he purchased a great big billboard and he has written on it a message to Roger Goodell telling just how unhappy he is about what many Saints fans feel was a robbery of a win. They were playing the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC Championship on the weekend, and you had a defensive back for the Rams admit afterward that, yeah, what I did should have been a penalty. He basically knocked the Saints receiver right out of bounds, didn't wasn't called for pass interference, but it was pass interference. The league even admitted it afterward. So now this guy, Matt Bowers, has decided to buy a billboard showing people just how upset he was. Uh, He's paid for two weeks of signage, and it's happening in Atlanta. And so all of these – he's actually purchased more than one billboard, it looks like. Uh, All of these billboard ads are going to be available uh, saying that the Saints got robbed and asking Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the National Football League, to do something, and they will be there throughout Super Bowl week and on through the conclusion of the actual Super Bowl. First of all, this guy has a lot of money. Second, what are you going to do? You've already lost, you know, and we're getting to a point, and I brought this up on my Mike's Minute from today, and you'll hear that next at 420, but we're coming to a point where here's what you need in sports. If you truly want to avoid all circumstances like this, you need two referees. Two head referees. One is in charge of on the field. One is in charge of sitting in a little booth, as somebody already does, and watching that game very closely. And if they see something, they need to have the power to say, yeah, here's the way it should have been called. And, you know, the reluctance goes in a number of different ways. And it reminds me of watching companies work where robotics begins to take over. And employees start to worry about that, where do we need all of these other officials on the field? Mm, Not really. Not really. You don't need the official who's a line judge who's going to determine whether or not a play is inbounds because you've got a computer to do that. Tennis uses that to decide whether a ball is in. So very easily done. You don't need a lot of the officials that are there. You need some but you don't need the number that are there. So, in fact, you're probably threatening the number of jobs that exist if you decide to do that. And I wonder if leagues and certainly if the officials themselves take that into consideration. Because the other part of it is you're going to need officials at other levels because having replay is not cheap. You're not going to have this for high school football. 
This is not going to be taking place. This is for the highest level. So you do need these other officials, and you need a holy grail for them to want to get to in some ways, don't you? So you need a head referee off the field. You need a head referee on the field, or you're going to continue to have this. And guys like Matt Bowers, for good or bad, or otherwise, are going to purchase billboard time and billboard space for two weeks to complain that his favorite team didn't win a game. News is coming up next. Jacqueline LaBelle will have that. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Just got confirmation. Coming up next week, we'll get back into is it okay to let a kid win or is it okay to beat them? when they are young, with a psychologist. So that has just been confirmed just now. Thanks for the discussion we had earlier. Also had a discussion about brand power and just how powerful some brands are. And Al had sent along a great note. He goes, you know your brand recognition is spot on when the name of your brand is synonymous with the product you're selling. Pass me a Kleenex. It's true. Look at how many things have done that. We don't call laundry detergent Tide, but you know what? It's it, There are some things that, yeah, sure, that's what it's become. Kleenex. We have paper towel, but we have Kleenex. Not the same thing. Uh, we were talking about the Brand Spark Most Trusted Awards. And essentially what they did was they took 109 products and asked Canadians, and they got really good response. They got 60,000 Canadians responding to this. So they would say something like antacid, and then they would see what people put down as the brand that they would associate with that. So antacid, that's got to be an easy one. Tums. Pass me a Tums. That's in the same kind of ballpark as Kleenex, don't you think? Uh, Barbecue sauce? We're still Canadian on this. Kraft. Kraft comes up in barbecue sauce. How about chocolate? Would we get Hershey's? It's kind of American, but we've had some Hershey's factories. We don't have the one in Smith's Falls, Ontario anymore. I think they actually make, were they making bottled water? I think they started making marijuana type stuff there, I think. Uh, So what would you think chocolate would come in as in Canada? What brand would people go to? And I credit this with the number of stores that have opened up. And you know what else? Probably the free chocolate that you seem to get every time you go into one of these stores. I think that was a genius move by Lint. If you say chocolate in Canada, a majority of Canadians will say Lint. How about one last one? Uh, Pasta or pasta. Is pasta American? I've always said pasta. Is it it not, not right? Pasta or pasta? Congratulations, Catelli. You have won in the Brand Spark Most Trusted. You can see the whole list at brandsparkmosttrusted.com. That was fun earlier. Thank you so much to Robert Levy, who joined us on the show. Up next, we're going to be talking about something happening tonight at Fanshawe College. There are a couple of volleyball games taking place. Fanshawe Falcons are playing, but some of the proceeds are going to help out Good to Talk. And you might not know what that 
is. Next up, we're going to find out what it is. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Coming up tonight, here is a way to get indoors because it's just, it's a good place to be when things are doing what they're doing outside right now. Inside, well, at the Glenn Johnston Athletic Center on the campus of Fanshawe College, the number five ranked Falcons women's team is going to be taking on the St. Clair Saints. And then the number one ranked, these guys are number one ranked. They hosted the national championship a couple of years ago, and now we'll get an opportunity to get back there if they keep this up. Number one ranked Falcons men's volleyball team, and they're taking on the St. Clair Saints. Both games are in support of mental health awareness, and something that they're going to have information about at the game is good to talk. But just in case you can't make it to the game, it is important to take a look at what this particular organization has been doing and has been offering. And joining us right now to help us understand that is Megan Van Massenhoven. Megan, how are things? Megan? Things are going all right? Yep, excellent. Good, good. Let's kind of delve into Good to Talk and what this organization aims to do. Yeah, so Good to Talk is a student helpline for Ontario University and College students. Um, so anyone attending a college or university can call our helpline and speak with a professional counselor so they can get support for anything they're facing in the moment. Or we can also connect them to any service in our database of on and off campus mental health services. So it's basically just a one-stop shop for any support you're looking for, whether it's in the moment needs or connecting to more mental health resources. And we're not talking about on campus just in one location. You've got it outfitted for any location, right? Yeah, so every um, publicly funded college and university in the province of Ontario, it's accessible for every student uh, at one of those schools. When we look at the way that kind of life works you grow up you go through high school and you at least have interaction with parents and teachers you hit post-secondary things can get pretty isolated pretty quickly how important is it to have students know that they have a place that they can turn to yeah i think it's very important for students to know that there are always resources available uh good to talk is available 24 hours a day seven days a week every day of the year so we're always open whenever they need us Um, And like you mentioned, when students are transitioning to post-secondary, maybe they're moving away from home for the first time, that can be a really isolating experience. Or even if they're not, it might just be a very new and exciting challenge um, dealing with all of these new opportunities and academics. Um, So it's good to know that there are resources out there for any challenge that comes up. Megan Van Massenhoven with us as we talk about Good to Talk. And you can find their websites very easy. Good, G-O-O-D, the number two, and then talk.ca. So you mentioned there are counselors on hand. Typically, what sorts of things would students call about? So we find pretty consistently that we get a lot of calls relating um, to anxiety and depression, um, people who are struggling with uh, mental health in the moment. We also get a lot of calls from students who are experiencing relationship issues. So that might be with their roommate, uh, with family, um, or with an intimate partner that they are struggling in the relationship and want someone to help them uh, talk through that. One of the things that we always hear when dealing with issues like this is confidentiality. How do you approach confidentiality? 
So our service is 100% confidential, so that means that we don't require someone to give us their name or student number. Um, we might ask what school they're at just to get information about them and know what resources exist at their school, but we're not reporting back to the school who you are or what you called about. It's all completely confidential. All right. And if somebody was looking to reach out again, the website is goodtotalk.ca. What else could they do? And so they can call us directly at 1-866-925-5454. They can also dial 211 if they can't remember that number and ask to be connected to Good to Talk. Um, and they can find more information on our website about the helpline. Megan, thanks so much for the time. Thank you so much, Mike. Have a great day. You too. Bye. That is Megan Van Massenhoven. And a little bit more information on something that is going to be supported tonight by the Fanshawe men's and women's volleyball teams as they play St. Clair, and that is Good to Talk. Again, the website is good, number two, and then talk.ca. Time for a break. We'll return with more in just a moment on London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Yesterday, we had Edgar Martinez and Mike Mussina Elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame, Mariano Rivera was the first unanimous selection ever to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And the late Roy Halladay went in as well. And he still has a lot of connections to Toronto Blue Jay fans who will always remember him. And we had a chance when Roy Halladay was inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame to get some thoughts from him. And I thought, I don't want to take you back to an entire interview, but he spoke to reporters and and talked about some really neat things. And it just looks at the, the way that he viewed things, the kind of person he was, also the kind of baseball player he was. And Roy Halladay in that time talked about something in his career that he enjoyed a great deal. And that was actually after he left the Toronto Blue Jays to go and play for the Philadelphia Phillies, coming back to Canada when he was with the Phillies. You know, there were so many great memories. And honestly, you know, one of my favorites now looking back is coming in as a visiting player and getting the reception that I got there. It, um, it just really meant a lot to me. And uh, I always considered at home there, so to get that reaction was was phenomenal. There was also this other connection that Halliday touched on with regard to one of his family members. My oldest son now, he's 16 years old. He was actually born in Canada. And he is so proud that he was born in Canada. He goes around telling everybody he's Canadian. All his friends call him Canadian. Now, Roy Halliday inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame at that time, and that's what he was talking about, posthumously inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame uh, later on when when the induction ceremony takes place, but uh, he was named to the Hall of Fame yesterday. One other thing that he talked about, remember, he went into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame at the same time as Vladimir Guerrero, one of the greatest hitters in Expos history and baseball history, whatever you term it to be. But here is Roy Halladay talking about facing Vladimir Guerrero. We used to always talk about him in hitters meetings. And they said, bounce it, he'll hit it. If it's two feet inside, he'll hit it. If it's off the plate away, he'll hit it. They said, sometimes your best shot's to throw it down the middle. He might swing and miss. <laughs> the late Roy Halladay. So... He goes into the Baseball Hall of Fame well-deserved and just a a really neat guy who cared a lot and died tragically way too soon. 
We have a lot of stuff still ahead this afternoon. We'll keep you updated on what is happening weather-wise. John Wilson will take you through the forecast as it rains for a bit. If you are heading out tonight, please take it easy simply because it is going to freeze at some point. We've got a lot of water around. If you missed it, we were talking with Chris Craig of Winmar earlier, and he was saying might not be a bad idea because the ground is frozen, because we have been getting so much water to go down and just test that sump pump. And you can either attach a hose to that tap that you have, maybe in a a basement sink, or you can just take a pail of water and kind of fill it up until it lifts up that little floaty and make sure it comes on. Because the last thing you want to do is have it not come on when you were expecting that it would. So that can make an awful mess. Um, But that's something certainly to look out for. They have been very, very busy with calls today because of water coming into all sorts of spots. So be ready for that. Uh, One of the other things that I wanted to tell you about today came out of Wareham, Massachusetts, And it kind of lends itself to this time of year, probably more than any other. And it just shows that we as humans, we tend to personify so many things. We personify animals, especially. And Wareham, Massachusetts officials have had to actually put out a formal request to all kinds of people in their area because they have seals that will come up onto the shore where Massachusetts has a beach, beautiful little spot, but they will have seals that come up on shore. And sometimes they're small seals and people will go over and think, oh no, oh, this seal has washed ashore. I better do something. And somebody has been feeding these seals peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. No idea why that would start, but they're saying, please leave them alone. Um, he's asked, the, the, the person that, uh, that was interviewed in an interview uh, was asked to keep the sandwiches away from the seals. This person says the, the heart of these people in the right place, but at the same time, seriously, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You think seals eat that very often? The other thing they continue to do is they will take the little seals and some people will go and get blankets and believe that these seals are freezing and will freeze to death. That's not the case. They're basically migrating south, and what you don't want them to do is actually feel warm because then they might not want to leave. This is just part of something called, you ready for it? Nature. And so often we think that our pets think like us or the animals outside think like us. Not the case. Not even close. Your cat does not think like you do. Your cat doesn't even remember when you left or, or why you're back, just that you are. Dogs get excited because something new's happening. So the idea that people are putting blankets around seals could actually be hurting their migration. How many times do we do that? You got, you know, I know that there is a guy who feeds the Canada geese because I've seen him in Springbank Park. So I don't know, I haven't been by Springbank Park in a little while, but there are always hordes of geese, and I fear for those geese. You know why? Because one day that guy's not going to come, and nobody's going to be feeding the geese, and yet they're used to having it easy. They've been able to hang around all winter. They've been able to get food every day. Hey, this is fantastic. This is a great place to live. You kind of forget about having to get your own food. 
You know, you put a domesticated cat outside, eventually, you know, instead of starving to death, they'll probably figure it out. And I'm sure the geese will, too. But it kind of messes with them a little bit. You don't want to have them come up to that day when nobody's showing up to feed them. Same thing with these seals. Exact same thing. So I wanted to raise that today. If you've got an animal, don't feed it if it's outside your door because you're not doing it any favors at all. And I know, well, what if it goes into the cold and there's no food and it dies? Uh, Natural selection. I'm sorry. It's natural selection. The human race is the only thing that right now is not subscribing to very much natural selection. That'll prove problems for generations in the future. Okay, story before we go. Yesterday, we were talking about how many things popped out of Florida and how shows like Atlanta and you name it, there are all kinds of other people who make fun about all the things that go on in Florida or Florida man. Florida man attacks alligator. Florida man swipes shoes from bank robber. Uh, All that sort of thing. So I wanted to prove that crazy things do go on and they don't necessarily all come from Florida. And I think I've got it. You ready for this? Stabbing incident in Bowler, Colorado, long way from Florida. What was the issue here? Unsatisfactory pants. You know it was. You know people get all stabby when pants are unsatisfactory. What happened here? Well, here's what it was. Um, We had uh, a guy who had some unsatisfactory pants and wanted to bring them back to a store and exchange the pants. So in he went, and he said, these are unsatisfactory pants. I don't know what he said. He wouldn't have said, nobody says that. Nobody talks like that. But he brought in the pants and said, these don't fit, or hey, I took them home and there was a big rip. I don't know what it was. But he brought them back, and the guy behind the counter decided, no, 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 you should take those pants. They got into an argument. And uh, apparently stabbing occurred at some point. The person who was trying to return the pants is charged with the stabbing. Apparently after he had stabbed the person behind the counter, another guy, he went to a different part of the store, got the pants that he wanted, and then left. So he is now charged with first-degree assault, robbery, and theft. Two different things. And he's going to be in a whole heap of trouble. But proof that it's not just Florida man that gets involved in these kinds of things. Please stay dry. Please stay safe as things begin to get colder and things definitely freeze a little later on. Uh, Coming up later on this week, we're going to be talking tornadoes on London Live. Up next, we have news with Jacqueline LaBelle. You'll hear from Matthew Trevithick as well. You'll hear from John Wilson. He'll have the latest forecast. Thanks to Matt McInnes for all of his help on the show today. London Live brought to you by Winmar, your restoration specialist. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.